Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Truth for Living with your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. It's a joy to be with you today. Whether you're listening by radio or by podcast, let me remind you that every Sunday morning, we are on 94.1 WMIX-FM at 9 o'clock, and then Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., on 106.3 WQRL. So we thank those who are uh, listening by radio. And then we have the Bible Truth Podcast, which is available at your favorite podcast store. You can just search Bible Truth Podcast with Tim Reynolds. You'll find all of the uh, radio messages, as well as a lot of teachings from my dad over uh, 50 years of uh, preaching, pastoring, and he does a Bible study that's available on there as well. You can listen to those podcasts anytime, mowing the yard, taking a walk, working around the house, whatever. So uh, we want you to know those are available. Also, let me remind you about our upcoming Bible Prophecy Weekend at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple coming up Friday through Sunday, May the 19th through the 21st. Pastor Rodney Malott will be teaching on the coming Tribulation Temple. Brother Rodney's been to Israel several times, has some great updated information on the Third Temple. And then Saturday, May 20th, we will have a representative from Olive Tree Ministries and Understanding the Times, Brother Ken Michael. He's going to do a prophecy update at 5 o'clock on Saturday, May 20th, and then Sunday, May 21st. My dad, Dr. Ron Reynolds, will begin at 9 o'clock with a lesson on characteristics of the kingdom age. Then I'll be preaching on the topic, Are You Ready for the Rapture? at 10 o'clock. And then Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we will have a Bible prophecy Q&A time. We're going to answer some questions that people have regarding end-time Bible prophecy. Tell folks about it. Let them know. And uh, that's coming up May 19th through the 21st at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We're located at 817 Woodland Drive in Mount Vernon. Well, let's get into our message today. This uh, lesson or message is titled, uh, Judas the Traitor. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. The Bible tells us, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. History is filled with stories of infamous traitors. A traitor is defined as one who betrays a friend, a country, or a principal. For example, you have a traitor named Marcus Brutus. He was a close advisor and confidant of Julius Caesar. Marcus Brutus joined a conspiracy to assassinate Caesar on March the 15th, 44 BC. Perhaps you've heard the saying, beware the Ides of March. Ides of March is on March 15th. As Brutus plunged his sword into the side of Julius Caesar, Caesar is quoted as saying, et tu, Brute, or you too, Brutus. Brutus was a traitor to Caesar, an American traitor we know of as Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold was a Revolutionary War general who served under George Washington. Arnold became bitter over being passed over for promotion, not receiving the proper pay and recognition that he thought he deserved, so he became a turncoat. He provided the British with vital information for taking control of West Point and finished his military career as a British general. 
Benedict Arnold was a traitor to both George Washington and to America. In the Bible, you have another traitor by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was King David's trusted counselor. The Bible said that his counsel was as though coming from the oracle of God. I mean, he's a very wise man. And yet Ahithophel abandoned David and took sides with David's son Absalom as he tried to steal the throne of Israel. In fact, David writes in Psalm 41 and verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted hath lifted up his heel against me. You know, it it hurts when someone who is very close to you betrays you. And Ahithophel was a traitor to David. And then probably the most infamous traitor of all is the one we are looking at today, and that is Judas Iscariot. Verse 14 tells us in our text that Judas Iscariot was one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. His name is synonymous with betrayal. You know, you won't find the name Judas on the top of any baby list because no one wants to name their baby Judas. Judas is synonymous with traitor, and Judas was a traitor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where we are in our text in Matthew chapter 26, we are now coming on the heels of Mary anointing the body of Jesus with some expensive perfume. Judas had spoken up and said, uh, this money, uh, this uh, perfume could have been sold for a lot of money and it could have been given to the poor. And he didn't care about the poor. He was really ready to pocket some of the money. But because it was such a waste, he was ready and he was motivated to betray the Savior. We're going to begin now today looking at his fellow conspirators. The Bible says, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest. You know, that's how traitors work. They rarely work alone. They need a partner in crime. Judas was no exception. You'll find that to be the case. Many times when someone is a malcontent, whether it's at work or at school or even in a church, if they're unhappy, they will go and look for some other unhappy people. Well, the chief priests were already unhappy with Jesus. They didn't like the fact that, number one, he was interfering with their authority over the people because he was drawing such great crowds. And then the fact that Jesus claimed to be God in flesh. They didn't like that. So they already hated Jesus. And Judas now goes to look for some others to get on board with him. Now, the question is, what was Judas's motivation in betraying Jesus? Well, that's a possibility. There's several of them or even a combination of these. One reason could have been that since he thought, hey, I'm unable to cash in on the spikenard, the expensive perfume, I'm going to cash in on the Savior and betray him. Maybe it was solely a financial thing. Or maybe he thought, you know what, I could be a national hero for the for, for Israel by betraying Jesus. And then that way I can help keep peace Uh, The chief priest, the Sanhedrin, can keep their position with the Roman authorities, and uh, we can sort of settle everything down. Or perhaps he thought, hey, I will either force Jesus to establish his earthly kingdom now, or I will expose him as a fraud. We don't know really what his motivation was, but we do know this, that Judas had allowed himself to become a tool of Satan. And this is a scary thing to think about. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 3, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number 
of the 12. Then entered Satan into Judas. Well, that tells us right there that Judas was never a believer because a believer cannot be possessed by uh, the devil or his demons. Now we can be oppressed, you know, if we open ourselves up to certain uh, things, we can be oppressed by uh, demonic forces, but we cannot be possessed. You say, why? Well, because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, all right? So if you're saved and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you cannot be uh, demon-possessed, but you can be oppressed. Well, this here says that Satan himself entered into Judas. So whatever his motivation was, we certainly know that Satan was behind it because now Judas has made himself a tool of Satan as he allows Satan into his own life. And then we see his faithful crime back in our text. Judas is going to make a proposal as he approaches the chief priest. He says to them in verse 15, what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you? Now, let me ask you the question, who is Judas interested in? He's interested in self. In other words, what do I get out of this? What are you going to do for me? You know, some people foolishly approach salvation that same way. You go to talk to them about God, and it's almost like you have to sell them on the prospect. Well, what do I get out of it? You know, what What am I going to, to get? Uh, you know, uh, an, an invitation will be extended. And, you know, the person says, well, you know, I'd like to be saved, but I really don't know what I'm going to get out of this. You know, that's a, that's a me first attitude. And Jesus actually speaks against that. Listen in Luke chapter 9, verse 59, as Jesus reaches out to a couple of people, and the Bible says, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, it wasn't a bad thought to go bury his father, but the idea was he said me first, and then Lord, I'll eventually get around to it. It's like someone saying, well, I don't want to be saved today. I want to do something for me first, and then I'll get saved later in life or when the situation is better. Again, in verse 60, Jesus, uh, or verse 61 rather, and another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. Jesus said to him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see a me first attitude God rejects. Now, Judas is thinking of himself, what am I going to get out of this? And I'm sure as he approaches the chief priest, they probably thought, man, we've hit the jackpot here. We now have an inside track to Jesus. They didn't care about Judas. They did not see Judas as their equal. He was just a means to an end. So actually, when Judas approaches them, not only is he selling out Jesus, but he's actually selling out himself as we'll see later on in another teaching. But now we're going to see his price after the proposal. He says, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And the Bible says, they covenanted unto him for 30 pieces of silver. Now the word covenanted means to balance or to weigh. So they weighed out these pieces of silver. Now here's what's interesting. These 30 pieces of silver were likely shekels from the sanctuary that had been used to purchase sacrifices. You say, why is that important? Well, remember when Jesus, he actually did this a couple of times when he went to the temple and he flipped over the tables and he chased out the money changers. What was all of that about? Well, here's what it was about. You see, the Jews were told at the feast to bring sacrifices to the temple. 
Well, some of them traveled great distances and, and they wanted it to be more convenient. So rather than bring a goat or sheep all the way with them, they would go to the temple. They would change out their money. Maybe they had some money in, in Roman script or whatever they had, and they would change it out for temple money to purchase a sacrifice. Now, the, the problem with this, number one, is that they were making their worship a matter of convenience. Some people do that today. You know, I would go to church, but, you know, I have other things to do on Sunday. You're trying to make it a matter of convenience. Not only that, but you had the chief priests, the religious leaders, they were making a profit on the money-changing scam they had going, and they were using the people to pocket uh, money for themselves. And then also consider this, this money was used to buy a sacrifice. What the chief priest did not understand is that the money they were using was purchasing a sacrifice. It was the ultimate sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 30 pieces of silver, how much money was that? Well, really, it wasn't that much. It was much less than Mary could have sold her precious ointment for. In fact, it was the market value of a slave. You can find that in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 32. I'm not going to read it, but it just tells that's the market value of an average slave. You see their contempt for the one who had healed their sick, who had fed their multitudes and raised their dead. They saw as only worthy of the market value of a slave. And as I said, that's a far cry and a contrast from Mary's precious ointment that she poured on the head of Jesus. There's also another twist in this. What they had forgotten was a 500-year-old prophecy that they were actually in the process of fulfilling. They should have known the scriptures, and they were fulfilling a, a prophecy by the prophet Zechariah for this 30 pieces of silver. Listen to it, Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 12. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver, written 500 years prior to the Lord Jesus Christ's birth and going to the cross and dying for our sins. So they were fulfilling a prophecy that they were completely unaware of. But again, Jesus had not only sold out, or Judas rather, had not only sold out Jesus, but he had sold himself out in the process. We're now going to move to his future conduct in our text, Matthew 26 and verse 16. The Bible says, and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. You see, the Sanhedrin no longer were concerned with waiting for the Passover to end. They were looking for any opportunity to do this. Judas was just waiting for the right time and the right way to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know he will eventually do that in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I want to give you one final point that is not necessarily in this portion of the text, but I want us to consider this. And if you've not listened closely, I want you to catch this last point. And that is the foolish course of Judas's life. You see, Judas's life is a life of contrast. And I think it's worth us recognizing this as we examine our own salvation and our own walk with the Lord. Four things I want to give you regarding the foolish course of the life of Judas Iscariot. Number one, it teaches us that sincerity does not always produce salvation. 
Someone says, well, was Judas sincere in his following of the Lord? Yeah, he actually was. Like all the other disciples, Judas had left everything to follow Jesus. Not only had he left everything, but he was heavily involved in ministry and in service. Listen, please, to Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. The Bible tells us, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and here it is, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. You say, preacher, did Judas have the power to cast out unclean spirits and heal the sick? Apparently he did. You know, just because you're in ministry and just because you're sincere does not mean that there ever was an actual heart conversion. Jesus actually says, many shall say to me in that day, in the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Wouldn't it be sad to teach a Sunday school class, to go to church every Sunday, to give of tithes and offerings, be sincere as can be, and die and go to hell because you never had a true heart conversion. Oh, you knew about the Lord in your head. Maybe you had an emotional experience and even cried a little bit, but there was never a change of heart. You never became a new creature. That is the life of Judas Iscariot. So sincerity does not always produce salvation. Number two, opportunity does not always produce salvation. Think about this. Judas was an eyewitness of the miracles of Jesus. He was an ear witness of the parables of Jesus. One preacher said with his eyes, Judas saw the clearest evidence. With his ears, Judas heard the finest teaching. With his feet, Judas followed the greatest example. And yet with his heart, Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Judas had been given a lot of opportunity. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Again, wouldn't it be sad to be someone who maybe has gone to church since you were a child? Maybe you're a preacher's kid or a deacon's child or a pastor's wife or even a a pastor and have opportunity after opportunity and never truly accept the Lord Jesus Christ and have that heart conversion. You know what? I believe there will be greater punishment in hell for those who had all kinds of opportunity and rejected than those who maybe uh, had very little to no opportunity. Here's something else we learned, number three, that availability to Satan results in tragedy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, think about this. Judas had made his heart available to Satan early on. How did he do that? He did that through his greed. The Bible tells us that Judas was the treasurer of the group. He held the purse. He was a thief. And Judas, through his greed, had given Satan an opportunity to come in and to operate in his life. I kind of liken it like this. You know, if you've ever had trouble with mice in your home, you have to try and plug up all of the 
uh, entryways into the house where mice might come in. And it's a difficult thing to do because they're small and quick and, and they know how to uh, get into certain areas. But, you know, Satan is the same way. He's very slick. He has a lot of tricks, a lot of tools to sneak in and slip into our lives. Satan will use people. He'll use relationships. He will use money. He'll use drugs. He will use alcohol. He will use pornography. He will use a bad attitude. He'll use gossip. He will use any tool at his discretion to access our heart if we allow him to. Understand this, if you're saved, you don't have to give in to him. You have a choice. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians 4 and verse 27, give no place to the devil. Well, the word give no place, give, implies you have a choice. Are you giving place to Satan? Are you giving him availability to your heart? Maybe there's something you need to confess. And you say, Lord, you know, I've allowed this into my life and it's allowing Satan to get in, maybe into my marriage or, uh, you know, into, uh, any number of things. And it's causing you to, to not have the walk with the Lord that you could have. So that's a warning that we see in the life of Judas Iscariot. Availability to Satan results in tragedy. And then the last thing that I will give you, number four, is that access to Jesus will produce opposite outcomes. As you have more and more access to Jesus, one of two things will happen. You will either become more attached to Jesus, or you you will become more alienated from Jesus. You see, when you've been with Jesus, there comes a point in your life when you will either give in to him or you'll give up on him. I hate to tell you this. No, I really don't, but I'm going to tell you this. There's no middle ground with God. Too many people try to live their Christian life on Sunday with one foot in the church, and then on Monday, they get one foot back out in the world, and you're double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all of his ways. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus makes this clear in Matthew 6, 24. He says, uh, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon, there is money, but you can't serve God and anything else. You can't serve God and pornography, God and money, God and alcohol, God and anything else. That's idolatry. There's no middle ground. Uh, You see, and Judas the more he was with Jesus, he did not draw closer to Jesus. It actually alienated his heart from Jesus because finally a decision has to be made. And we know his decision. He decided to worship money as his master because he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who have never known Jesus can really remain indifferent to him. If you know him and you've been exposed to the teachings of of Jesus Christ, you're either going to embrace or you're going to be more extreme and pushy it away. Now, let me close with this. Judas Iscariot is someone who had a head knowledge of God, an emotional connection with Jesus, but no heart conversion. You ask preacher, was Judas saved and then lost it? And I would tell you, no, he never had it to begin with. He was an apostate. Oh, he tasted the parables and the miracles and experienced things, but he never had a change of heart. He never became that new creature the Bible speaks of. I want to ask you as you're listening to this by radio or podcast, what is your state with the Lord? Are you more like Judas than you thought? Are you sincere, but you've never had a true salvation experience? 
Have you had plenty of opportunity but rejected uh, salvation? Are you allowing availability to Satan to come in and to uh, keep you from being saved? Or maybe you're saved and you're leaving opportunity for Satan to uh, wreck your life. Or have you had so much access to Jesus that you are really tired of him and you just want to walk away? Or are you more interested in embracing the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus gave Judas every opportunity to repent. We can't say, well, Judas had no choice. You know, this was God's plan all along. We know it was God's plan, his program, but God never steps over the bound of man's free will. Judas at any time could have said, forgive me, and I'm not going to do this. He could have confessed, but he did not do that. My question is, will you, will you repent of your sin and accept Christ? You can do that today. All you must do is understand that you're a sinner, God loves you, and that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for your sins and rose again. And if you'll pray and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I believe you died and rose again for me. Jesus, save me. If you'll do that, you'll be born again. You'll have that heart conversion that Judas never experienced. Well, thank you so much for listening to the program. I pray that the teaching was a help to you today. Don't forget, tell someone about our upcoming Bible Prophecy Weekend, May the 19th through the 21st. If you'd like more information on that, you can write to us at Bible Truth for Living. Listen to the announcer at the end of the program. You can also call us at 618-244-5404. If you would like some postcards or digital flyer to help share, you can do that as well. You can find us on Facebook if you go to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple like the page. You can find information there as well. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. It's always a joy to be with you. I look forward to being with you again at our next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.